0: Thank you Hello, hello, it's Brooke DeVard and you're listening to the Naked Beauty Podcast. I'm currently recording this on Wednesday, August 3rd. It is my birthday as a birthday gift to show appreciation. If you wanna give me a review and rating on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, I would so, so appreciate that. And thank you to everyone who takes the time to leave a rating and review on Naked Beauty. It really means so much to me. And for today, we are going back into the archives to bring up this incredible episode and conversation I had with Gabrielle union gab my friend gab union what an amazing thing that happened in terms of her like she reached out to me via dm i think she started following me then we started talking and then she came on the podcast and this was two years ago and my show has grown a lot in the past two years i also want to give a shout out to larry who is on this episode as well her incredible incredible hairstylist they came together to create lawless an amazing hair brand that I actually still use. I still use their deep conditioning mask and their curl refresher spray. Mavi uses it too. But it's just incredible that I was able to speak to such an icon and just talk about beauty standards in Hollywood and her relationship with beauty growing up. And this was such a moment for me in terms of me growing as a interviewer and as a podcaster. And I also know a lot of you are new to listening to Naked Beauty. If I think about my listener numbers in 2020 versus now in 2022, This is going to be a great conversation for all of you to listen to. Even if you've listened to it before, it's great to revisit. It's funny. I remember I was really heavily pregnant when I did this interview and my breathing was like so labored. I was like, I basically can't even breathe. But it was like, she just made it so, so easy. And then Larry with his Leo energy, my Leo brother, like an amazing combination, an amazing conversation. I just, I lived, I loved it, and I'm excited for you all to hear it again. Thank you all so much for your support. And I do have a new episode coming on Monday, so definitely stay subscribed and stay tuned. You'll know real when you get it. It will say eBay authenticity guarantee, and you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewelry that makes you look like a gym, sneakers and streetwear so fresh, every step feels fly. When it comes to style and luxury, I know you're like the busiest of busiest of people and I've wanted to have you on the podcast since January. So I'm like so excited to finally have you on.
1: No, this is exciting.
0: I'm very excited and I'm eight months pregnant. So this is like, this was like my last (sighs) opportunity to get, to get the interview in before I went on that leave.
1: Oh my God. It's so weird because you just see somebody on social media and then now I'm like actually talking to you. So it's like, there's like Instagram, Brooke, and then there's like, oh my God, you're a real person and... Well,
0: (laughs) imagine what it's like for me. I've been watching you in movies and TV, you know, since I can remember.
1: It's like wild and awesome. So I'm glad that we got it in before. Yes. The little human arrives.
0: Well, all of my listeners know who Gabrielle Union is. You are an actress, an activist, an author, an entrepreneur. You've got your fashion line. You've got now this hair care line, which is a relaunch, which I'm so excited to talk to you about. But you do all of the things. If we could just start on like a superficial note, you are just such a beauty icon. Like whether you're rocking braids, your natural hair, whether you're like in workout clothes, swimsuit, glam, like you always look so good.
1: Oh my gosh, thank you. I don't always feel good. So that this is landing so nicely today. So I appreciate that because <laughs> I no, don't you always don't. feel that way. So thank you.
0: You always look amazing. And I, I think that you are such a beauty icon. Do you like identify with beauty as something that you really care about?
1: I care about it in a way um, that might be a little unhealthy for me. Um, but it's because <laughs> I never, you were, I, I, growing up, I was always just sort of chasing the idea of beauty. Cause I didn't feel like it applied to me at all. Um, really? so just wanting to feel seen and good and desired and comfortable, you know what I mean? In my own skin. And for so long, I just wasn't. So beauty is something that I, that was like a carrot that was sort of dangled out in front of me. And I just was chasing it. And I, I continue to chase it. Um, You've caught it, you've caught it, I've caught it you know I've caught it it' <laughs> it's been yanked away I, I um but yeah, I've been obsessed with beauty for as long as I can remember,
0: yes, and you grew up in Omaha, Nebraska. now I have to ask what was that like? Did you feel beautiful growing up? Did you feel like you had access to beauty growing up?
1: Well, so I lived in Omaha until I was eight, and then my parents got transferred to the Bay Area, but we call home Omaha, Nebraska our my entire family lives there. We have the largest Black family in the state of Nebraska. Oh my God! Um, amazing. Yeah. So within our family, you know, and as a young girl, no, I mean, I was I was known as the one with the good personality and a nice crossover. Um, I wasn't anybody's idea of a cute, other than my mother, who was like, you know, I think, like required to say that. Yeah. So I grew up thinking that beautiful or pretty or cute were just adjectives that were for my cousins, not, or for my mom, but not for me. And then going from Omaha, which the North side of Omaha is predominantly black. And that's where the vast majority of my family lives to a town called Pleasanton in Northern California in the Bay area, which is like 99.99999% white. Um, (laughs) you, you hear, you know, people called, you know, being called beautiful or attractive or pretty. Um, and it was, I mean, a, there weren't a lot of people that looked like me and, and, uh, their ideas of beauty were not anything that even remotely resembled me. Mm -hmm. So no, my beauty, beauty, uh, was definitely not affirmed like in the towns that I was growing up in and within my immediate family, like my, you know, having your mom tell you you're beautiful and, worthwhile while amazing you just want the you know the bow-legged boy with a jump shot to to think (laughs) and I was I was searching for that first just like male um attention yes and just didn't get it or even like being thought of as the cute one you know or or a cute one in your friend group and that wasn't well that wasn't me (laughs) Wow. I was That's... smart. <laughs> I wrote great papers. Um, I could help you with your term paper. Um, but you no. Know.
0: That's really interesting to hear you say because you're clearly so beautiful and you've been on, you know, all of these like objective lists about the most gorgeous actresses, the most beautiful people in Hollywood. But to know that you didn't feel that growing up is really interesting. Was it, when did you sort of like start to see yourself that way, like and come into your own beauty?
1: Probably around the time I got my braces off, I thought, okay, Huh? wait a second, I might be onto something. Um, Cause I, I suck my thumb even through having braces. So I had buck teeth and one of my teeth was further out than the other. So I couldn't even close my mouth. So by the time I got my braces off after headgear, neck gear, rubber bands,
0: oh my God. and I had
1: straight teeth and it's like having, changing your smile changes your whole face. And I kind of felt like I'm maybe somebody out there, not related to me, might think (laughs) that I'm cute, maybe. And starting to go back to uh, spending the summers in Omaha and, you know, in Omaha, my family's in the black community and being validated through the neighborhood boys. I mean, and not like I wasn't, you know, I was no Janet Jackson, but it was like, (laughs) oh, she's cute. She's she's cute. But it was more than I'd ever gotten. Like, I was like, I'll take it, Um, (laughs) you know, and, um, so, yeah, so probably around the time I got my braces off around 14 and then okay. just through high school, um, going to basketball camp, you know, any, any anywhere that there were boys that weren't from my hometown um, where there was an ounce of diversity. I was like, maybe, maybe somebody <laughs> will see me and like me and I'll get to meet their parents.
0: Yes. Yes. Well, it all worked out clearly. <laughs>
1: it worked out okay. It took a minute. Yeah. But it, it worked yeah.
0: Out. You're with an okay basketball player now. It worked out. He's,
1: he does okay for himself.
0: Yeah. He's okay. So did you have beauty icons growing up? Were there people, you mentioned Janet Jackson, but were, like, were there women that you looked at and you thought like, oh God, if I could just look like that. Because you were one of my beauty icons growing up. So I'm so curious like who your beauty icons were.
1: Oh my God. Literally everyone I saw in magazines. Um, Janet Jackson is was and forever will be my yes. beauty i can't I, like i on occasion still to this day will draw on the mole like yes. like the janet mole yes. um <laughs> i wanted to be janet so bad i still do but yeah i mean like all the models so naomi beverly peel gail o'neill uh rashamba you know tyra like you want to see you want to be the girls in the magazine Vivica Fox, so fine. Uh, Nia Long, like just anyone that, that I thought, like, oh my gosh, like people pay to watch you.
2: That has to
1: mean something. I wanted, I wanted that so bad. But yeah, so it's crazy to me. Like when I first meet these people, I'm like, I'm still like the girl that was like, taking in their picture from like black hair sophisticates or like high hair, It's like make me look like Janet Jackson (laughs) in the black cat video, please. Um, And then I'm like hanging with Janet. And I'm like, I'm still like, it'll never be, it'll never get old. Like meeting my heroes.
0: Well, one of the things that I love that you do is women crush Wednesday. Like obviously you have a huge account with so many followers, but I love that you use your platform to just like shine a light on other amazing women doing amazing things. How did you first start to think to even do that?
1: Just I have so many amazing women in my life and yeah. they don't always get the shine that they deserve. And I was like, well, what's stopping me from doing this every Wednesday? And I thought, okay, I'll maybe do it I don't know, for a month and then a month, went to two months. And then now I don't even know how many years I've been doing this. And you realize that it means something to people. Like there's folks that I've made a WCW that I don't actually know. And then I'll run into them and we'll have like a cry fest. Because sometimes all you want is to be seen. All you want is to be understood. All you you want to just feel like people understand the the work that you're doing and they appreciate it. So it's it's always nice to run into friends of mine that are only friends of mine in my head who become (laughs) friends in real life just through a mutual admiration.
0: Yeah. One of the things you talked about on Ashley Graham's podcast was this idea of this like performance of perfection that a lot of Black women have to deal with, um, and we've seen it come up time and time again. But for this like new generation, and for Gen Z, do you feel like there will be less emphasis on being perfect and having to show up as perfect as a black woman? Do you feel like things are changing a little bit, or do you think we'll always kind of have this pressure?
1: Well, I kind of got read for filth um, recently surrounding the same conversation because when you get older, you assume the younger generation is like dramatically different. They're doing things. Completely differently, they're not. They're not um, bound by the same albatrosses around their necks concerning, you know, perfection or or beauty or achievement or this and that. And you think that they've they've sort of evolved past it, and they're like, "How many of us do you hang out with?" Because you would know (laughs) that, like, no, we we're dealing with a lot of the same Mm. stuff, and it's actually worse because we are so aware that there's another way. We are so aware that it doesn't have to be this way. And yet it is. And so it's like super disappointing for them because their expectations are higher. And I was like, word, I hadn't thought of it that way. And I definitely would have assumed it was super different for um, the younger generations. And you find that that we're we're all struggling with, as I say, same shit, different day. And it just, it just manifests itself um, differently for, you know, younger generations. And it, it, um, it's, it feels different. And Part of it is that we think as older folks that they're not experiencing it. And so we don't give it the same, um, that we don't give it the same urgency to address as we do with ourselves, which sucks. And I got to do better. Yeah.
0: Or we think like at this point it must be better, right? It must be better for you than it was for me. Um, But sometimes it doesn't get better. It's a very, the wheels of change are very slow. Yes. I'd love to hear what kind of helping to raise Zaya has taught you about self-expression and beauty um, because I feel like there is just so much inspiration there. Even like this blue hair moment, I like wasn't ready. Yeah, what have you learned in this process?
1: I learned that I don't know a damn thing. I had to unlearn a lot um, surrounding the performance of femininity and the performance of masculinity and not feeling bound by what society or culture or community May think of as appropriate uh, displays of masculinity or femininity, like rejecting the notion that there's only one way to exist as a woman or one way to exist as a man or as a black woman or as a black man. So, like, uh, there's a lot of things that I have to stop myself from saying where I'm like, I'm not gonna say this. I'm not gonna put this added burden on Zaya because what I was about to say is actually rooted in patriarchy and misogyny and the oppression of women. I'm in the control of women. So why would I put that on her plate? Like I'm really dealing with it now. And we don't actually have to pass that on to the next generation. So it's a lot of unlearning about like really examining every way I have been taught to exist as a woman. And I just see Zaya is so free yes. because we are doing the work as, as her parents to unlearn and to um, educate ourselves and to be much more open in terms of identity and expression and mm-hmm. and what it means. Does it mean everything? Does it mean nothing? Does it? That has been probably the biggest thing I've learned is that you actually have a choice in what comes out of your mouth and what you're passing on to the next generation. And she is so free. Yes. Just watching her be so free. Yes.
0: We feel um, it too, just woo. in images. Like you feel that freedom. It's so empowering.
1: Somebody said today... I retweeted a, a, a podcast that I'd done with my girl, Jamel Hill. And somebody in the comments was like, your family needs to fall back from the limelight because I hate how you, um, we're, we're trying to like, I don't know, do away with, with black male masculinity. And we're like, wait, what? <laughs> that was what you got out of like, what are you talking about? Like we all exist as we are in this household and there is nothing wrong with how each of us, is existing how each of us display our our personalities and our mm-hmm. identities and and our desires and passions there's literally nothing wrong and none of it has shit to do with how you pay your bills so why are you so pressed right. about how one person or a couple people in my household choose to exist like what does it like it must feel crazy to some folks that they feel like ah, i must and it's like whatever is happening in your life is still going to happen regardless of what you think about my family and the freedom that we give our children to exist and Zaya is mannerable she is compassionate she is respectful she is freakishly smart and who she is she is what should be celebrated and i don't know why it creates this weird panic and fear but it's 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 it speaks a lot to like how we feel like there is one way to exist as a black woman. And there is one way to exist as a black man. And anything that is outside of what I think is acceptable is not right. And I'll yes. say, let me say, I'm using my finger quotes there. acceptable. Um, yes. and I, and I have to try to destroy it or malign it or, um, discredit it or insult it. It's like, this is wild, but the world we live
0: in exactly the world we live in. Well, I would be remiss to not bring up Kavia because, as also as a, as a soon to be mom, like she gives me life. I've been following the like, I've just I feel like we've all watched her grow up as a mom. Like, what do you want to teach her about beauty and style? I can't wait until she's old enough to like put together her own looks because I feel like we're in for a treat. <laughs> but what? It, As you're raising her, like, how do you think about teaching her about beauty and loving herself? And what do you hope to pass down to her?
1: Freedom, you know, the same. Like, I have to fight the urge to have to do her hair every day versus reinforcing this idea that however our hair looks as Black girls and women, that is appropriate. Yes. However it is that you choose to wear your crown is perfect. It is amazing. There is no one way to exist as little black girls or as black women. And I want to start rethinking and unlearning everything I thought I wanted to do with my little girl and her hair and her clothes. And I don't want her to feel like she is somehow made whole if she looks a certain way or is somehow less than. And it's like you hear and I can see the comments like, why is her hair never done? And I'm like, her hair. Do people say that? Oh, people say all kinds of things. Yes, feel oh, free God. to. I don't to take I don't, a
0: dive down. The comments yeah, I don't see down. those comments. I I must just block them out. That is crazy.
1: Yeah, they're they're there mixed in between all the love that she
0: gets. All the love. Okay. But it's, yeah.
1: It's like, and sometimes they land, even if there's 500 great comments, and there's the one that I happen to see about like how come your ch- how come she's always you know just in a diaper? How come she's def- never has like the the super fly outfits that you and your husband have? How come her hair isn't done? It's like, I, we let her hair do what it does, like how it grows out of her head. We want to celebrate that. We want to normalize that. I mean, again, using my finger codes uh, for all you listeners at home. Um, and yeah, there's going to be days where she is, you know, looks like she's in a mini little wedding dress because that's how I want to put her. And then like the next day, she's going to have drop cross joggers and a Bob Marley shirt, or she might be in just a diaper or she it's just going to, depend on how, how, like her vibe, you'll, you'll, you'll learn very quickly that each child is their own little person. And, you know, someday she hands, you know, me the brush and she's like, yeah, my hair, I want my hair. To look your hair. <laughs> I'm like, oh, okay, cool. And then sometimes she's like, get off. Um, and we just let it do what it do. And really reaffirming that healthy hair is the best hair. Healthy skin is the best skin. And it doesn't matter what clothes you wear. You're still smart. You're still amazing. You're still our little shady baby. Um, and none <laughs> of it is going to, um, change your soul and just kind of getting used to that. Cause you know, when she, ordered her hair first started growing, I was like, Oh, I, I, I gotta, you know, get all these different products and I got to get the little bands and the bows and the this and the that. And you like, like someday she was just fighting me on it. I'm like, why is this the fight that I'm going to have with that infant? And what am, what is this fight really about? And now I'm starting to feel a little icky about what am I fighting her to to do? Where are we going? It's a freaking pandemic, but like (laughs) she's a baby like, okay, where's, where's she going? That that I'm worried about being judged for what she looks like. Mm, You know what I mean? And like, what is that? Let's unpack that before I put that on my kid. So it'll be interesting to see who she evolves into. And if she's, you know, somebody that chases beauty and chases wanting to, to, add things to make her feel better about herself, which her mom is totally into, Um, (laughs) or she's just like some like hippie and she's just like crunchy granola girl. Who knows? Um, But not making her choices feel like some kind of personal attacks on me as she grows up. And, you know, we think about our families. And the fights that we might've had with our mothers about like, what are you doing with your hair? How come your hair looks crazy? Or what, you know, you dyed it. Like, what are they going to think about your, us? Right. You know, that you have these hairstyles or what are those clothes saying about your parents? Yes. You know, like, like you don't know Jesus because <laughs> you know, whatever I want to wear right. shorts to school, like whatever. Right. Um, but yeah, trying to let go of some things that felt very natural to me. <laughs> um, And uh, just recognizing that I just do not want to add to the oppression and subjugation of our girls. Yes, not interested.
0: I think that's beautiful. Well. 2020 has been an insane year it's been like very difficult um for all of us but you've also gone through a lot yourself this year and i'm just wondering like what what does self-care look like for you in this time how have you been able to kind of put yourself first and make sure that you're doing well so that you can give back so much to other people
1: it's it's a day-to-day thing and it's not always pretty and it's not always what i set out to do (laughs) um you know, there's certain days I can look at the schedule and be like, okay, this day I'm going to, my, you know, my anxiety is going to be on 10. It's it's a crazy packed schedule. I'm going to take a bath that night at 8.30 and I'm going to read this many chapters. I'm going to light these candles. And then, you know, that time rolls around and all I want to do is hide in the bathroom and play words with friends. So just kind of giving myself grace that um, even my self-care plans, the best laid plans are not always going to look the way I want them to look and I have found self-care in the most random of places like we moved in the middle of the pandemic don't uh, suggest that at all but um where we live there's like a there's a, a lot of wildlife and there's a what we thought was one bunny but turns out that that uh, that saying about rabbits multiplying like having sex like rabbits turns out our little bunny friend has like 57 kids so we see these little bunnies and my immediate reaction was like vermin. They have we have to keep them out. And I realized I moved into their little home, and uh, just I found, I started finding peace in watching this rabbit family, this very large rabbit family, and watching the hummingbirds, and like, re, like researching about the flowers that you know are out here, or the trees, or making peace with bees. I've been talking about this a lot. Like I kind of feel like a lot of the the little wildlife that's around here. I can relate to because they have like the 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 knock on bees. It's like you got to get rid of the bees; they're going to sting you. Keep them away. Ooh, rabbits! Like set traps and ooh these like. And I'm like that kind of sounds familiar. Kind of know what it feels like to be not wanted in your own home and just kind of like leaning into my earthy, crunchy granola hippie side and finding a lot of peace. The more I learn about nature, I'm finding a lot of peace. Yes. being outside versus feeling attacked by <laughs> all the things that exist out here.
0: And I feel like you're also so good about working out, like you're doing your videos, which like I, I, I guess I'll just blame it on my pregnancy, but that's not even an excuse. <laughs> like, I feel like I've had no motivation to work out during this pandemic. How do you even get motivated to let's say like, okay, like I've got to move my body. I've got to sweat, like, let's do it.
1: Well, I've been um, dealing with PTSD since I was 19. And one of the ways that I've been able to cope with the terror of PTSD is through exercise. Mm -hmm. And it just gives me like a little release valve. It's like just letting a little bit of the air out. So I've been working out just for my own sanity. And then you get into this industry and, you know, people are very critical about everything. And so sometimes working out doesn't feel therapeutic. It just feels like a job that I actually hate. um, And I'm looking to get by. (laughs) But throughout the pandemic, there's just been chunks of time where I just, I just don't have it to work out. Like I just don't do anything. And I started feeling like I was circling the drain a bit. And my mental health was taking a hit by not being able to release those endorphins and and work out a lot of my anxiety. So I kind of just started like, forcing myself, no matter what I felt like, just even if it's 20 minutes um, and talking to a lot of moms, you know, like um, talking to Lala, uh, who was, you know, um, quarantining up in Portland, this area she'd never been in before, feeling isolated, talking to Aisha Curry, like, what are you doing? How are you staying motivated, you know, with people who have big lives and stuff? And just like, Aisha was like, girl, I do HIT," And I was like, what is HIT?" Like, I didn't know all the terminology. And she was like, it's, it's like an um, interval training, but it's, you could do it anywhere from 10 minutes to 20 minutes. And she's like, sometimes that's all I have, but I feel a thousand percent better. And I was like, hold on, let me Google what that <laughs> thing is because I didn't want to act like what, you know, super clueless. And sometimes if that's all I have, I find that I feel a thousand percent better. So even if it's just 15, 20 minutes, I just try to give myself that. Um, we take walks because there's not a lot else to do during the pandemic. Everything's closed. So we'll take walks or hikes as a family. Yeah. We're just trying to find other little ways of like, we'll swim in the pool of just trying to stay active for all of our mental health. And luckily I have a lot of support here at home who, you know, they've all had to do their own research about what is PTSD and like, how does it manifest yeah. how can it shape shift and how can... I, you know, my husband, how can I be of better service?
0: Yes. Um, yes.
1: Yeah. So I, I got, I lucked out.
0: Yeah. You mentioned kind of what you went through, um, at 19 and you've been such an amazing advocate for victims of sexual violence. Um, and it's a really hard thing. I don't know. Are you watching? I may destroy you at all on HBO.
1: So I'm going to start tonight. Okay. That's amazing. At work. And I knew I needed to be by myself. Yeah. Cause I'm not sure how I'm going to react Yes. And I've it's hard to it watch. Off. That's what I've been hearing, but it's so beautiful and I'm such a fan of Michaela's. So, um, I'm now that he's, you know, gone and back at work, I'm going to give myself okay. tonight to okay. like watch it and however it is that I respond to the material, I'm going to I'm going to give myself grace and this bit of time to kind of watch and and process. But yeah, I'm I'm the more that we talk about our experiences and the more we're transparent about those journeys, however long they are. Um, And brutal and um, healing they can be, the more community, the more sense of community that we have. Because for so many of us, you feel like you're on a deserted island and it's so isolating and it's so lonely and it's so terrifying. And you feel like no one could possibly understand what I'm going through. And when you hear other people's stories and you get the, oh my God, me too, that happened to me. Yes. You know you're not alone. You know there is a, huge community, which I hate that there's such a large community, but there's so many people who um, can remind you that this is a process. There's no one right way to be a survivor. And all of our stories are real and valid and worthwhile.
0: Yeah. Yes. I so appreciate all of the work that you do for women that have gone through um, sexual violence and just, I mean, you're just such an activist and an amazing, amazing pillar in our community. So I thank you for that. Thank you. Okay, guys, I hope you have loved hearing from Gab. Her story is just amazing. And I love her confidence and clarity and how she's been so humble about the fact that she's still learning and still understanding these things. We're going to take a quick break and then hairstylist and dear friend to Gab, Larry Sims is going to join our conversation. Hi, Larry. I feel like we're going to have to have such a dramatic tone shift now because we're going to start talking about flawless and hair. But I'm so happy that you were able to join us. Um, Larry, you grew up on the west side of Chicago and your first love was dancing. I think I found out that you were even a backup dancer for Jessica Simpson at one point. Um, How did you transition into like beauty and hair specifically?
2: yeah so I always was a fan of of hair and just transformations um as it pertained to hair and I used to hustle as a dancer, like I used to style some like local strippers in Chicago for extra cash, so I never <laughs> yes. lost my my knack for it, and really, as a dancer, I just saw so many amazing artists that were working in the industry in ways that I didn't even think were possible um, via in film and in television and in music videos. And that really opened my eyes and my heart to the possibilities of where I could go. And, you know, I looked up and I was like, I don't want to be 40 and audition for Britney Spears. So let me transition into, you know, rocking, um, you know, a comb and a brush. Uh, and, and I went to school, went to cosmetology school, and I met Jessica Simpson when I was like sort of like going through my transition. She, um, me dancing for her right after cosmetology school um, allowed me to meet Ken Pavis, um, who was a hair guru, He was her hairstylist for a long time. I ended up assisting him and he sent me off to work with Victoria Beckham and the rest was history.
0: Amazing.
1: And so, you know, know, we met.
0: On the set of Bring It On, right? On the
1: set of Bring It On, Larry was a dancer for the singing group Black.
0: Yeah. They were doing a
1: car show gig. And I showed up, and I'm like, "Who's that? He's a good time." <laughs> and we've just, like literally, we have been inseparable ever since. That's been 20 years. It'll be 20 years. This no, 21 years because we shot it the year before it came out. Yeah. So oh my we've God. Been friends for 21 years.
2: Yeah, and Gab was definitely one of the first people that said yes in terms of my transition. Mm-hmm. You know, hadn't seen anything that I could do with hair necessarily, but trusted me as a friend, and we've been rocking ever since.
0: Oh, my God. Amazing. Well, I feel like Bring It On is one of the most iconic early 2000s movies ever. So the fact that that's like where you guys connected, I feel like is such a beautiful origin story. Um, And Black was everything. So I love that. What do you guys think it is about your personalities that made you guys click right away? Because it's not just the friend thing, but also to work together now as partners with this new hairline that takes a certain amount of chemistry. Like what about your personalities do you think works so well together?
1: Go, you go first, Larry. Tell me about myself.
2: <laughs> <laughs> you see, how could you not love this girl? You know what I mean? <laughs> like, we have this laughter that happens when we're around each other that is so undeniable. It's so cosmic and just natural. Gab not only is my friend, she's like my family. And it was like that since day one, her love for um, and commitment to friendship really resonated with my heart as a friend, the wins that she has constantly embedded in my life alone when she didn't have to. She constantly makes sure, and not only with me, but with all of our friends, um, there's this level of commitment and realness. It, it's just, it's it's unfathomably um, and, and always um, continuously um, consistent. And I appreciate that about her. A heart of gold unbelievably generous. And um, I just love who she is and what she stands for. Ooh. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Thanks, Larry. Sure.
1: No, like Larry is like, if you ever walk into a room and you see everyone sort of crowded around somebody and they're sort of holding court and everyone just wants in, they want in, they want in his light. They want in his presence. He is that person, no matter where we are in the world, what we're doing, He just draws people to him. So when I met him that day, I was like, oh, you're, you're, I I don't know how much I can pass. I like, I, I vibe with you. Like you're, you're a real one. And one of those people that literally feels like an angel on earth, like Uh you're on some otherworldly shit. Like there's no one who could be like this all the time and always have this kind of energy of like the vibe and the style and the, and it's a good time. Like we, we have adventures. Like yeah. he's a bunch of shits. Like we have a great, <laughs> we just have a, a great time. And then when I started meeting his friends and he started meeting my other friends and we sort of built this crew of amazing, fun people who are kind of on the same page that we are, which is like, if I got, if I have Five pennies. I really only have one because I'm gonna give them out to the rest of my crew. Like, mm. no matter what I have, you have, and vice versa. And everybody's just on the same page of like not being an asshole, not being like you know my 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 shit doesn't stink. I'm and and or, or like not wanting to put anyone else on. That yeah. wears me out. Like what? Like it's I find, like we both talk about this all the time. It's like it's like what do you think is gonna happen if you put somebody on? <laughs> Do you feel like you'll be just cast into darkness, like, and, and like you, you'll never get another opportunity? Like, to me, that like, shining a light on more people just creates more light for all of us. And Larry really lives by that. And it's kind of dope. So, when we, yeah, so we were trying to figure out how I can redo and relaunch Flawless, um, there was not going to be any kind, of, any kind of Flawless without Larry Sims. And launching it the first time without him. I mean, I don't want to say that's why it, you know, like, it, you know, it, it wasn't what my dreams were, but I realized that making sure that the man that has been in the trenches with me has ownership of this dream and not just in servicing the dream, but you are the dream. Like you are part of this, of this whole story and you should reap the benefits of ownership. Yeah. And it's changed everything, everything.
2: I me mean, and I have to add to that, you know, I've had deals in the past, obviously not ones with one of my best friend. But after, you know, 15 plus years in the industry, um, 12 or 13 of which I've always been signed exclusively to um, other brands in terms of partnerships, the fact that she could have said to me, I want to bring you on as a spokesperson. I want to, I want you to help me to um, you know reestablish my brand, go through the trenches with me. I would have I would have been like absolutely. But the fact that she took it a step further and said, "I want you to be a part owner in this," the, the level of generosity and thoughtfulness. is is one in which, you know, exemplifies who she is as a friend, but who she is in in the core of of, of how she rocks with her people um, and wanting us to win. She says, ain't no fun if the homies don't have none. (laughs) And I appreciate, you know, her for, for including me and inviting me to the party.
0: That's beautiful. Well, Gab, in terms of your hair journey, I know that you experienced some hair loss due to IVF, um, but you've also, you've been in the limelight for so long. You've you've had your hair done probably a million different ways. You've probably had people mistreat your hair. Um, you've probably, you know, gone on your own healthy hair journey. What did you want this line to accomplish and how did all of your kind of experiences with your hair lead up to this point of making flawless what it is today?
1: Yeah. When, when I first went to re, to launch Flawless in 2017, it just coincided with, after multiple rounds of IVF, like there were, it used to be like these like little dime size bald spots that would open up about three months after a, um, a cycle, except those bald spots just started connecting. So it went from little spots that you could kind of cover to like ovals. And then the ovals started connecting to other ovals. And it was like a headband. Luckily I had a hairline, which was helpful with the wig situation, but (laughs) I mean, when you're launching something called flawless and you feel anything, but it's, it's bound for disaster. And so with what Larry and I were doing, because we were still shooting being Mary Jane and, and trying to launch this line and, and, and having all these public appearances, how do we try to grow my hair back while rocking these wigs and pieces and whatnot. And once we started figuring out the things that were working, I was like, we should be, we should be able to offer this, to everyone, and so as quickly as we launched, I was like, I have to reimagine what this business is, and it needs to be black owned first and foremost, not just black fronted, black owned, and black led, and black listened to, and black marketed, <laughs> and and all of that yes. um, needs to be just completely redone. And having Larry be able to actually talk to the chemists, you know, as we are doing our reformulations who's like, like, he can, all that experience and expertise is like, no, 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 this works. That doesn't work. Why do you keep trying to put silicones in this? Like, no, like I know what, you know, we are as a collective community used to those silicones feeling like uh, the silky, but it's actually not as helpful as you're claiming it to be. And why do you keep pushing this? We yeah. want to have a different ingredient story. We yes. want to be able to reformulate these products and then lower the price points where they're affordable or more affordable and create a partnership with a you know, company like Sally's where they're actually in all of our communities and people can go in and feel comfortable to like screw off a top and touch it and feel it. Yes. Yeah, so we just, we wanted to um, have the line accurately reflect that journey of growing my hair back, infusing all of the things that, that actually work.
0: Yes. I've seen Moringa oil, rice oil like biotins in some of the products, shea butter, which I love, like talk me through figuring out what was like the trial and error before you figured out like these are the ingredients that are really hitting, like this is what's going to make people's hair flawless.
2: Yeah, I think we have to wrap our brains around why her hair was falling out in the first place. And that was a journey within itself because we're like, we we haven't been doing anything that's different except for your treatments. And once we got down to the bottom of what was causing it, you know, we went to bat. We like, it became, it felt like it was my hair that was falling out, even though I shaved my head <laughs> on a daily basis. It felt like I needed, my mission was to figure out what could grow her hair back, you know, mm-hmm. and this was before I was even a part of Flawless. And so we would be like, it met scientists in the kitchen. We would be stirring things in the pot. We would be spraying things. We would, you know, be trying to figure out, like, at one point, I think, like, her her hairline and her eyebrows were about to connect because there was so much hair growth. You know? (laughs) So, we, you know, it was literally trial and error. I was in Whole Foods a lot. I was, you know, shopping online and buying just, like, raw ingredients. Um, If a lot of people don't know, you can go online and buy raw biotin. Pure creatine. You can go online and barbecue butter in its raw state and form rice water. You know, we did a lot of that. You know, with with trying to figure it all out. And once we started seeing results and growth, we were taking notes and we went back to the chemists and we're like, these are the things that work. And what's amazing about it is we didn't have to have any of the sulfates. We didn't have to have any of the parabens and all yes. of the stuff that a lot of companies have used to stretch. Um the product so that they their their price margins could be higher because you know you produce more product when it's not as great quality, but you can produce a lot of it and you're making more money. We said we're not doing that. we are sticking to um what's worked for us, and we want to make sure that our th- the integrity of of our process um was available to people that were going to be buying into our products,
0: yeah, and the price point is still accessible.
1: Oh yeah, no, nothing is over $10. Everything is between four and $10. It's
0: incredible.
1: But like, we literally would have a magnifying glass on those bald spots. And we're like, there's a bulb! Like, like, <laughs> and we'd like, we had a log of like the hair follicles that were like popping through and like on what day and what time of day. And like, like we like, h- like, how does the follicle look? And it was a long process. And when I tell you the joy of a little whoop, a little bud coming through <laughs> that bald spot. Like it was, it's, it was like moments to celebrate, which we also do a lot with wine and, and tequila. Um, yeah, we do. <laughs> <laughs> once those, head, those little hairs started popping through, um, yeah, we had to find other ways to celebrate. But yeah, like when you're, when you're just desperate and so many women, in, you know, I, having never been like pregnant, you know, I should say, or gone through a full pregnancy, so many women because of the hormonal changes will experience hair loss. Mm-hmm. And you feel crazy. What should be the most amazing, beautiful time, your hormones are, are out of whack and how that hormonal imbalance manifests in your body isn't, you know, it's all different sorts of ways and losing your hair and especially losing your hair as a black woman, is just so debilitating because it's, it's, um, we are so defined by our crown. And when you feel like, something's wrong with your crown or, or you've lost your crown, you're desperate and yeah. you feel you just want to hide. So I, I know what that, that feels like and just want to try to provide as many answers for as many people as possible. And we, you know, people were like, well, you could lower the price. I mean, but then, you know, the profit margin, we're like, okay. Yeah. Like sometimes, you know, putting out products that actually ha- you know, can create results it's not about the massive price, you know, uh, profit margins. It's about for us, it's doing what's right and what we're passionate about. And I'm just trying to get the products to as many people who need them as possible.
0: Yeah. What are some of the like things you love to do to your hair when you're pampering? Like, are you like a deep conditioner with heat? What are what are like your go-to like, okay, I'm going to really treat myself to like an amazing self-care hair day. What do you go for first? Oh, okay. So it depends on how
1: much time I have. If I have like, if it's like the weekend and I could literally just be downstairs in the lab all day, I would do the restorative mask, okay. Um, just because I, you know, throughout this pandemic, I have experimented and done all different kinds of things with my hair. And, you know, so I kind of need that time to repair it. And we have, I have a steamer, the, uh, the little hooded steam. Nice. And so I'll just sit under there and watch episodes of, you know, whatever show I'm watching. And it, you know, as Larry always likes to remind me that I don't follow directions. Um, so if it says you know you know keep it on for twenty minutes, I'm like, well, if, if twenty minutes is good, what is two hours gonna do? <laughs> um, so I might get through a whole season, um, you know, but uh, but yeah. So I love I love a mass, you know. But if I have less time, like the three minute, you know, uh, conditioning or conditioner that we have is awesome, and it gives you that like that instant yummy silky feeling um, yes. that we are that we so covet that we are so used to but without
0: all the harmful stuff. Yes. I love that. And Larry, what do you recommend for people that want to like really pamper their hair? Like what's a good treatment to just get your hair in a better condition or shape?
2: Yeah. What's great about the line is you literally can use this one line for all of your different needs, whether you are a person that has locks or protective styles like braids or twist outs or weaves and wigs, even to you know, blowouts and press outs um, to the wash and go girls that like to just diffuse their hair. Um, it literally fits the gamut for every single person. Um, we think that all of those hair types and choices are flawless in our way. And, you know, I think one thing in particular that's great about the um, repairing mask is that it's a protein mask. So it's, it's not intended for moisture necessarily, it's intended to repair and rebuild the hair. If you look at the Ingredient story, it's compacted with our biotin and creatine. So, you know, it's it's built to harden those those follicles and those cuticles with all of that um, important protein. And then you follow up with the three-minute restorative and then don't top it off after you rinse off the three-minute restorative with the leave-in conditioner and then do some <laughs> blowout cream or some curl cream. I mean, you're set to go.
0: Yes. I love that. Well, I'd, I'd love to hear from you guys how you think people should advocate for protecting their own hair when they go to hairdressers. Like I'm thinking back, I used to model and you would go on set and sometimes it would be someone who clearly didn't even know how to do black hair and they would just turn up that flat iron to the highest setting and, you know, your hair would be destroyed and you wonder why so many models wear wigs and it's like, that. it's just like, don't even touch my hair, like, please, just like, but... I think even, and even when I get my braids and protective styles, I always have to say like, leave my edges. Like I don't need my edges to be micro braided. That's okay. You can just leave them out. But I think for some people it's hard to raise their voice and push back. Um, And Larry, you have a lot of experience on the other side of people that, uh, hopefully are speaking up for themselves. So I'd love to hear from like kind of your point of view, What the best way to have those conversations is. And then Gabby, for you, like as you are getting your hair done throughout your career, how have you been able to kind of like speak up for yourself or when someone's, when that heat's a little bit too hot or you're feeling like, okay, this is not going to be good for my hair long-term, how have you been able to speak up?
2: Yeah, well, for me as a stylist, I'm always... um I think it's so important for you to land because it becomes a relationship, yeah, with someone that you are working with on a regular basis, whether that be a salon stylist or someone that's in the trailer. And you have to make sure that you are aligned with someone that's not quick to take your money, that's not quick to pile in, you know, 20 people, you know, in the course of a day at the salon because they're just trying to get you in and out because you really just represent a number and a dollar versus the integrity of your natural hair. You know, you, you want to make Make sure that you're aligned with somebody um, that have those same sorts of morals and goals. I always say that I will never compromise the health and integrity of any clients here to get them to an end goal. There's always a healthy way to get there. And I've had those conversations with both my clients and with other stylists that don't necessarily know how, to um, get there, I think that in terms of it, in, from a stylist perspective, it comes from educating other stylists that um, are willing to be taught. Um, and I know Gab is probably going to speak to the lack of diversity that we oftentimes see and, and experience in trailers. You know, there's only um, so many of Larry Sims and so many, you know, people that are, have access to the industry that they allow in because of so many loopholes that we have to jump through. But I feel really most sad about actresses who, and models that have to show up on set and have to like fight for just basic skill sets in terms of the health and integrity of your hair. So um, yeah, yeah Gab can kick it off from there. She can take it from there, but it's, it's a, it's an ongoing struggle. And uh, we do intend as a company to continue to use our voices and our position in the industry to uplift, to educate and inspire all stylists and also um, the unions to, to do better for all of us. Yeah. I mean, <laughs>
1: woo, I have so many stories. I'm trying to think of like, the, how to combine them all. But like, basically like Larry was saying, it's, it's, it's a relationship. So when, as an actress, when you come into the trailer and you look around and if, you know, there's got anyone that looks like you and sometimes, you know, depending on your role, there will be like, like a, I don't know, like a fight to see who gets to do you. Because it's, if, if the production believes that you are an important, you know, character or whatever, the head of the department head will want to do you. Um, because how will it look if the department head isn't doing the star, and it's like, well, hello, Mister or Mrs. Department Head. Um, <laughs> I'm I'm watching some of your work. I see that uh, there's no one in the trailer that looks like me, and that gives me a little pause. And um, and there's nothing in your resume that says that you know how to do uh, hair like mine. Would it? Would you be opposed to <laughs> bringing on a third who is more proficient in you know textured hair, black hair? And based on that reaction, we'll let you know how this whole experience will go in that trailer. If it, it's, if it's immediately defensive or they immediately other you, or they just, they say that you're a diva because you're asking for, you know, somebody who knows how to do their hair that's not going to be experimenting on their head. It'll tell you everything you need to know. Now, depending on how much job security you have, because that's something you got to factor in as well. You have to decide how important is it for you to look your best your version of your best mm-hmm. because there'll there'll be productions that are like oh my god you look great and i'm like i look like Cephas. what are you talking <laughs> about i'm the one who's going to get dragged on social media for why did you let them put that wig on your head or why did you know why do you let them look, make you look like that but you have to it's it's all a series of decisions that can stay with you for a long time, if you speak up and they don't feel that you are at a level where your voice is respected, you can very easily get branded and labeled as difficult. And I'm not going to say that it's not going to follow you because it will. And that sucks. And um, in those cases, I, I am a firm you know, believer in bring your own wig, have a hero wig that you have at home. Don't let them cut it. Cause you're going to need that <laughs> wig to, to last on a number of productions, but a wig that is fitted to your head yeah. that, that allows you to look in a way that, that you want to be seen, or you just get, get your hair done before you come to work. And you have to hope throughout the day that, that they don't need to touch it up. It sucks because it's, it's just unfair. And what, oh, really? what our responsibility is as OGs in this game who have who run, who have production companies, who are number one on the call sheet, you have to make sure that everyone on um, your production feels comfortable and feels um, seen and heard and respected and that we have a diverse enough um, hair and makeup trailer that we can um, meet the needs of this, you know, all of this diversity and inclusion that we're all calling for. But it is up to people, you know, of color in positions of power to demand it and yes. not force an actor who just got in the game, who, you know... We can't afford to have labeled on day one of their career because they want to look, you know, their best. Who have the audacity to ask to look their best? It's on us, um, and we can't just look out for ourselves. We have to look out for everybody else as well because it's hard and it sucks. And at the end of the day, we are going to be the memes. Our bad hair, <laughs> bad wigs, bad whatever. Right, it's right. us that it's our faces. It's not the person that's that calls you a diva or says that you're a bitch or whatever, because you're asking for the same thing that everyone else has, which is somebody who's qualified to do them. But I I also want to be realistic that you speak up and you do what's right by your head, your hair, you, your head might be the first to roll. And I'm, I cannot say that enough. And it is wildly unfair and it's jacked up. And until more of us were in positions of power, speak up and demand better for all of us, it's going to keep happening.
0: So, well, good for you for speaking up on it because it's so needed and Hollywood has so far to go. I think in a lot of ways we've seen progress, but as you guys are both illustrating with these stories, there's just so much more work to be done. I want to ask you guys a final question. I ask all of my guests on Naked Beauty. um, When do each of you feel most beautiful?
2: I feel most beautiful when... I wake up and open my eyes before I brush my teeth, before I shave, before I exfoliate, and moisturize. Sometimes, you know, after I meditate and, you know, I, I live in a really beautiful home that has tons of great sunlight. And I feel like it's always just God's sun and light shining on me. I feel like that's where I get my energy from. That's where I refuel. And I feel most myself, most in my spirit when I first wake up.
0: That's beautiful.
1: And you can tell if you follow uh, Larry on social media, he will give you a bed selfie, a very sexy bed selfie. So he's not lying. That's truly when he feels sexiest. because we wake up. So I'm like, like my husband will be like, oh, Larry, Larry, uh, Larry posted another bed shot. Yep. And so he's, Larry is dead, dead, dead serious about waking up and feeling sexy.
2: <laughs> very and, honest. And,
1: <laughs> um, and i'm like and i think my social media would uh, agree that i feel most sexiest in a bikini mm. the smaller the better yeah um we love it you know in the sun i want the warmth of like the sun on my face and i just want to just be free and just in the in some in or near somebody's water yeah just chilling and not feeling rushed or or poked or observed. And I can just be me with my family and my friends. That's when I feel my most sexiest
0: yes love both of those answers love those (laughs) answers thank you guys so much for coming on Naked Beauty and sharing Flawless it's launching August 3rd which is my birthday so it's it's a Leo product which I love and I feel like you know Leos are all about their manes and hair so I feel like it's perfect Um, and I'm just so so happy for you guys and it's also just you guys said this before but it's truly a black owned and operated company which I feel like is so important there have been so many brands that have come out that you think are black owned, or they certainly market to black people, but you look behind the scenes and that it's just not who is reaping uh, the benefits or the profits of the company. So it's just so great to see that the two of you have come together to create Flawless. And I can't wait to try it. Um, It sounds like it's an amazing, amazing line.
1: No, thank you. We're so excited. We're so excited. Can't wait for people to get like, get their hands on the actual products. And uh, we're excited and a perfect birthday gift.
2: Yes, true. True. <laughs> fellow true. Leo, too, August
0: 21st over here. Oh my gosh, good, great Leo energy. I can feel it.
2: Absolutely, you too.
0: Hey, it's Paige Desorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag? Say hello to Quince.